Hi guys, and welcome to the Rare Wellness Podcast, the podcast designed to help you heal holistically and find the tools that you need to thrive. We're making it easy to understand medicine and wellness one podcast at a time with practical steps from the experts. All we ask is that if this podcast helps you live just a little bit better and a little more aligned, that you'll leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. That's all we ask so that we can continue providing you with free, valuable knowledge from the experts of well-being and help you optimize your life. In today's podcast, we're going to be continuing our conversation with Dr. Guthrie about sleep. Dr. Guthrie, last week we covered a ton of valuable topics on sleep, understanding what is healthy sleep, why does sleep matter, uh, things that impact sleep, and we're going to continue that conversation today. So go ahead. All right. Good. Yeah. Yesterday we talked uh, about adrenaline and melatonin, and on the subject of melatonin, there's a there's a, a small piece that if you're on taking prescription medications, is very useful to be aware of, and that is you need to Google the name of your medication and the word melatonin and find out if it blocks melatonin production. Beta blockers and calcium blockers are the two most common two blood pressure medicines usually that will essentially shut off all melatonin production. And if you're on those medications, you probably ought to be taking melatonin every evening. Another uh, item that we didn't quite touch on yesterday because it's not really about sleeping well directly, that's the subject of sleep apnea. So if you're a person who wakes up in the morning groggy with a bit of a headache, you fall asleep easily during the day, um, and you're you've taken care of all the other things, trying to tune up your sleep. Uh, you really should get evaluated for sleep apnea. Um, it's something that, uh, is, is not easy to pick up on your own. And, uh, it's a fairly simple test to be done. It takes some of your time. You have to go sleep in somebody's laboratory, but, uh, that, and it's very treatable, not always. Have you taken one of those tests? I have. Yes. I'm, uh, uh, part of my military retirement disability is related to sleep apnea. And, um, uh, I can tell you that the difference on waking up on a night when I've been apneic and a night when I haven't been apneic is, well, pun intended. It's like it's the difference between night and day. It's a whole different energy. And all day, if I've been apneic during the night, all day, my thinking is muddy and my brain's not working well. So uh, that's something that's very real and should be at least looked at. And there are many options now for treatment. You don't, not everyone needs the noisy machine with the big face mask, et cetera. The next subject I think that we probably ought to go to is the, uh, the subject we talked about yes, last time really about how to get to sleep, uh, how to keep from screwing up your ability to fall asleep. But now I want to move to the question of, Doc, it's, two o'clock in the morning, I've been awake for 20 minutes and I'm just not going back to sleep. What do I do about this? So there are basically three important things. I'm going to start with the one that is, uh, that doesn't really take any training at all. Uh, and that is sorting your thoughts. Many times when you're laying there awake, your thoughts are spinning and, and you're going over something that's either worrying you or that you have to do that you want to make sure you don't forget, or you're halfway through a calculation of something and it got to be bedtime and now you're awake in the middle of the night, and your brain still wants to do it. Well, whenever you have repetitive thoughts that are keeping you awake, the first step to do is to uh, sort those into a couple of categories, things that you're worried about and things that you need to not forget. Okay. So um, the things that you need to not forget it's very much worth your time to sit up, 
turn on a fairly dim light and write a list of those things that you not don't want to forget. And your brain will let go of those immediately. If it doesn't on its own, you can tell it. When you lay back down, it starts to perseverate again. Just say, shut up, we're done. I wrote it down. It'll be there in the morning. And that will actually quiet your limbic system down and turn off the adrenaline rush that's keeping you awake, worrying that you're going to forget something. And uh, the second category, things that are worrying you are, um, are fall into two categories of their own. Things that you can do something about and things that you really can't do anything about, okay? Right. Um, I spent a lot of time awake uh, several years ago uh, during my daughter's more difficult uh, addiction and behavioral riddled uh, experiences, uh, worrying about things I couldn't do anything about because they were actually her problem. Even though it was my daughter, I was worried about it, right? But so the things that you worry about and you can't do anything about you may let those keep you awake if you wish, but my recommendation is, is that you fold those up in your mind into a package and hand them somewhere else in the, mm-hmm. I can't do anything about this package. Now, if you're a fan of the 12 uh, step AA program, you can use the prayer that says, you know, help me to know the things I can do, the things I can't, and the wisdom to know, know the difference. Um, uh, if you have come from a Christian background, you can say, okay, God, these are things I can't do anything about. They're yours now. You deal with it. Not my problem. Uh, let me know if you want me to do something. Um, and uh, if you come from some other philosophical or other spiritual background, um, finding a space somewhere in the universe to say, oh, there it is. I can't do anything, so I'm going to leave it there. The things you can do something about will continue to keep you awake until you write them down. Once you write them down, they'll be there in the morning. They will no longer keep you awake. So that is actually really, really successful. And I experienced that once as chairperson of a nonprofit hospice back on the clear far west coast. Uh, there were some personality issues and some, uh, well, anyway, there were a lot of issues and it needed to be addressed and I needed to address it and I needed to address it in writing. And how to phrase that was running through my head. And it was probably 45 minutes. I was laying there at two or three in the morning doing this. And I finally said, okay, this is retarded. I need my sleep. So I got up and got uh, went to my laptop. I did not use blue blocker because I was in a hurry. I sat down and typed up a draft. Why you think I typed up a draft of what I wanted to say, what I'd been laying there thinking about. And by the time I got back to bed, I think I was laying down 60 seconds and I was sound asleep. I don't remember anything after closing my computer. So the, there's a tremendous benefit to unloading things where you know you will get them in terms of if those things are disturbing your sleep. So that's the first session. Do you have any questions about that particular paradigm? Well, yeah, I guess a couple of things. So first, for people listening to this podcast, um, this is another great opportunity for you to check in with yourself when it's late at night and you can't sleep. Some of us are really good at uh suppressing or numbing our emotions or just maybe we're not in the habit of checking in with ourselves and maybe the things that are stressing us in our life. And so uh, being able to differentiate and just have the awareness of the different things that impact your sleep and being able to check in with yourself and be like, okay, am I stressed about what am I, am I stressed? What am I stressed about? And like you said, dividing it into those two categories of, can I do something about it? 
Can I not? And if you can, so my my second question or my my question is, do you keep do you keep a notebook by your nightstand? Is this something that you've come into practice of doing? Do you recommend like does it does it matter? Can people write it down? Can they use their phones? Is it enough to put it in a mental checklist? Do I have to write it out? I would say whatever way is the lowest resistance way for you personally, based on your habits, to capture something yeah. such that you know you will see it tomorrow. Okay. That that yeah. the important thing is not where you put it or what you do with it. The important thing is what your brain thinks about what you did with it, right? So whatever works. If that's your phone, so be it. My phone, as I said, is in, in another room. Uh, do I keep a paper by my bed? No, because I very seldom actually run into this problem. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I practice living my life, unloading things I can't do anything about and chucking them out the window. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. The things that I need to remember, I do occasionally get up, stumble out into the kitchen, turn on a light, grab a note paper and write it down and stick it on the counter where I'll see it in the morning. And it's so, I think it's so natural in different seasons of life. You're dealing with more decisions, more stress. And then in other seasons of life, you have more routine. And so, and so for everyone listening again, hold, hold grace for yourself, hold space for yourself, and maybe try implementing some of these strategies and just see how they impact your sleep. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Premium Center for Regenerative Medicine and Stem Cell Therapy in the Northwest, Northwest Center for Regenerative Medicine. Get back to the activities that you love without needing surgery. You can book your appointment at nwc4rm.com. Again, that's nwc4rm.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness Supplements. You can head over to rareplanethealth.com to get your supplements. My personal favorite is the Premium fish oil filled with omega-3s. Again, you can go to rareplanethealth.com and get the supplements that you most need to support your health and wellness today. Lastly, this podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness. Rare Wellness is located on the South Hill in Spokane and is one center that provides all the wellness tools that you could need. Whether you're looking for a hands-on premium intimate yoga studio with a therapeutic emphasis, bar classes, Tai Chi classes, if you're looking for skincare treatments, injectable, hydrofacial, microneedling, organic spa treatments, if you're wanting to get therapeutic massage or book functional medicine appointments to get down to the root cause of your inflammation, Rare Wellness is the place for you. Whatever your wellness needs are, they have it covered. So to book your appointment today, go to rarewellness.com. Again, go to rarewellness.com and mention this podcast for 10% off when you're booking. Okay, time to get back to the episode. Now, the next thing I want to move to is, okay, uh, it wasn't my thoughts. I'm just laying there not sleeping. And right. it brings up a couple of questions, of course. If while I'm laying there not sleeping, are my legs and arms wanting to keep moving? Am I just restless and fidgety? Because I won't sleep as long as I'm continuing voluntary movement. If that's the case, I would wager that the reason that's going on is that your muscles have not had enough to do in the recent past. So they are feeling a need to move. Uh, when I was a child, I would come into my mother's room and say, Mom, I can't sleep. And she would say, great, 50 sit-ups, 50 jumping jacks, 15 minutes in your bed, and come back and tell me if you're not asleep. 
And I never went work? back to tell her because I was always asleep. And uh, it was a good lesson. And But it has real physiologic meaning. The best treatment for intermittent restless leg syndrome is to get up and do squats or, or jump rope or jumping jacks until those legs are so tired. And when your muscles are screaming out, look, I, I, we can't move anymore. Stop it. Say, okay. And go to bed and say, you said you can't move anymore, so knock it off. And to tell the truth, most of the time that will do it. I actually used that last week. I'd been two days with no significant exercise, and I was tossing and turning. And I just got up and threw my yoga mat on the floor and did about, you know, 15 minutes of modified yoga stuff. That's the harder workout stuff. Went back to bed and didn't remember anything after that. Yeah, that's an important the important tool to have uh, when your arms and legs, your body's wanting to move. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I was going to say, I definitely, as a kid, experienced the same thing. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I was a very restless kid, but I would get up, do a little workout at midnight. I would fall right asleep. I think this is going back to, to the importance of just, again, checking in with yourself, asking your, like being able to be self-aware enough of what's going on in your body and your mind. Because if you're not in touch with your own emotions or your own physical, like somatic experience, you're not occupying your own body. Sometimes it can be really hard to even have the awareness of knowing, okay, right now, what am I facing? Is it the, is it the mental pressure? Is it the physical? Maybe I haven't moved in two days and that's why I'm restless. So I think beginning to practice being self-aware throughout the day can help us when we're in these situations, like whether it's at night or just across the board of being able to supply our body with what it needs in that moment. Right. So the the next step that that you, your mind would move to is that, well, okay, I've thought through all the ways I might have screwed up my sleep, and I'm aware of two of them that I did yesterday, and I know why I'm not asleep, but I still want to be asleep. Okay. How do I put myself back to sleep? Or I look through my last day and I have no clue. I don't know why I'm here, but, but I still want to go to sleep. So how do I do that? There are two main tools. If I can get my muscles relaxed, especially my face, forehead, and neck muscles, those are my wakeful muscles. If those are tense, sleep is probably not going to come. So if I can get my muscles relaxed and then get my nervous system relaxed, I will either A, fall asleep, or B, experience a very restful situation that gives me at least probably two-thirds, three-fourths of the benefit that being asleep would give me. So I'm going to go through those two things. The relaxing my muscles, I would like you, if you don't mind, to set your microphone down okay. and uh, uh, lean back in the chair and relax as much as you can. If your head is supported a bit by that wall behind you, that'll be good. You may not be able to completely relax your neck muscles as it is, but we're going to begin by we're going to begin by starting at the feet and working all the way up through the head and face. We're going to tense up all of your muscles as tight as they will go. So 100% as tight as you can cramp them. Feet, then calves, thighs, abdomen and back, arms, hands, shoulders, neck, face, forehead, eyes, scrunch everything tight. Now take a deep breath. And as you let it out, let all of that muscle tension go out. Now we're going to go to three quarters, three quarters of that feet, calves, thighs, abdomen and back, hands and arms, shoulders, neck, face, 
forehead. Now take a deep breath and let that tension out. Good. Now we're going to half. Feet, calves, thighs, abdomen and back, hands, arms, shoulders, neck, face, forehead, scrunch them up just a half. Let that go. Now we're going to go to a quarter, one quarter of that maximum tension. Feet, calves, thighs, arms, hands, shoulders, abdomen and back, neck, face, forehead, eyes. Now let that quarter go. Let that out. Now we're going to go to 5%. This is going to be the least tightness that you can possibly do. Okay. I'm, we're just going to just faintly, faintly tighten feet, calves, thighs, abdomen and back, hands, arms, shoulders, neck, face, forehead, eyes. Now let that 5% go. Now this last one, you're not going to actually tighten anything. You're just going to tell each group to get ready to go back to 5%. So feet, get ready. Don't go anywhere. Calves, just ready. Thighs, ready. Abdomen and back, ready. Hands, arms, shoulders, just ready. Neck, get ready. Face, forehead, eyes, get ready. So everybody's ready to go back to 5%. But instead of going to 5%, let the readiness go. What's your address? What's my address? Yes. Did you notice how long it took you to respond to my question? That was a good yeah. two seconds. And that's not your normal style. Right? You're normally yeah. <laughs> right there. What we did was to take your muscles oh, and relax so everything to the point to where if I had had you laying on a table, I wouldn't actually have asked that question. I would have just left you laying there and you would have felt paralyzed, literally unable to move like you were wow. glued to the bed. Because what we've done is taken all of your muscles and set them to full relaxed mode by reminding them this is tense, that's relaxed. This is tense. That's relaxed. And we've done it in a graduate. Now, whether you use 80, 60, 40, 20, it does, the percentages don't matter. Um, the more you practice this, the better you get at it, the quicker it is. Uh, when I do this practice now myself, which is every two or three weeks, I end up having to do this to encourage myself back to sleep. I do maximum 100%. I do a quarter and then I do five because my, my, my muscles are used to this. My brain is used to it. Everybody's used to this. Little game. So doing it on a regular basis is important. When I'm teaching this to somebody with sleep problems, who's just learning it, I recommend them to do this at falling asleep every day for at least two weeks. And what are the results that you've seen with your clients who do it? Uh, well, first of all, in the office, I have people start snoring. I mean, they're literally sound asleep on my exam table in the middle of, uh, of an office visit. Um, oh. And uh, every single person comes back and says, it's a tremendous tool. There are a few people who come back and say, now, what was the percentage? And, and, and how, how long do I, and, and, you know, that kind of adrenaline is counter sleepish. And so right. I, I encourage them to not to get it right, but to get more relaxed about just 
doing it. That's funny. It's like when you're trying so hard to relax that you're not able to relax because right. of how hard you're trying. Right. That's funny. Right. Man, I felt so good doing that and I'm definitely going to incorporate that into my routine. So I learned um, I learned that particular exercise from a, uh, a dean of a men's dormitory in college. And as you can imagine, that's a job where your average night of sleep is three and a half hours. I, you know, it's, it's crazy the yeah. stuff we college students get up to in the middle of the night. But um, the dean taught me that and he swore, he, he swore that sleep, four hours of sleep after doing that one exercise were worth at least eight hours of sleep to him in terms of how he felt the next morning. So relaxation of the muscles and what that does in the nervous system is important. So let's move then to the next subject. How do I relax the nervous system? This one is actually quite simple. I'm going to teach it with a specific cadence of counting. The cadence of counting may not be critical, but it's the way I learned it and that's the way I teach it. And so I think it's probably worth continuing with. For this, again, I'm going to ask you to set your microphone down. Place your hands in a place of comfort, whether it's on the chair or in your lap folded or wherever it works for you. Uh, Relax your shoulders as much as you can. And what we're going to do is we're going to breathe in through your nose for a count of four. And at, by the time we get to four, I want your lungs to be as full as they can get. But before we do oh, that, <laughs> before we do that, I want you to put a, place a hand on your chest and a hand on your belly. And I want you to take a really deep breath while looking down at your hands. Now, if you're like most people, you saw your chest hand move and the other hand, not much. So now I want you to breathe and move your belly hand, but not your chest hand. So I don't know if I got too far from the microphone, but did that come through? Yeah. Okay, good. It came through. You're good. Good. So we're going to go in for four. You're going to keep breathing in. No air will move, but you're going to keep breathing in with that belly breath for a count of seven, and then you're going to breathe out for a count of eight. So that's going to be just letting that air all the way out. And we're going to do a few cycles of that. Put your hands where they're comfortable again. Just remember that belly breath. Okay? So in, two, three, four. Keep breathing in, three, four, five, six, seven, out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Again, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, out two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Again, in two, three, four. Keep breathing in two, three, four, five, six, seven. Out two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What's your address? I don't know, but I feel so relaxed. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So relax. Right. And I have never had a person answer after the breathing question, uh, the exercise, answer that in less than two seconds. It just, and that one, 1,000, two, 1,000 to answer a simple question that you know by heart always. Right. And you're just, the first second is, wait, I think there was a question. What was the question? Yeah. Rewrite the question. Yeah. Oh, now I remember what the question, oh, my address. Oh, wait, I have that filed somewhere up here. Right? Where is it? Right. Yeah, so me. what we've done, I want to explain physiologically what we've done, because this is not magic. That's this correct. is borrowed from our yoga friends, uh, the, the, the folks over in India that studied the function of the body really, really deeply. And what we've done is by doing a belly breath, we're firing the, uh, uh, the diaphragm muscle that pulls down and stretches the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the strongest, biggest parasympathetic nerve in the body. When it stretches, it fires. So we're firing parasympathetic nerve signals up to our brain and out to our entire body. Now, sympathetic is fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest and repair. Okay, so what we've done is, and, well, first, let me explain. That's actually a teeter-totter. Sympathetic parasympathetic. You cannot get both of those up at the same time. It's physiologically impossible. They can't both be down at the same time. Most of us live our lives in a relative balance. But what we've done is to stimulate the parasympathetic such that we shut off the sympathetic. And um, between the muscle relaxation and the breathing exercise, if you do those regularly every night for two weeks, you will have in your toolkit the ability to go to sleep 95 times out of 100 within five minutes of deciding to heck with this. I'm going to go to sleep. That's amazing. I, you know, having gained some of these breathing techniques in my toolbox as well, if you're someone who struggles with uh, anxiety or you're in a stressful situation, being able to take these and just those moments where, again, you have enough self-awareness to recognize I'm feeling stressed. My chest is tightening up. My stomach is tightening up or wherever it is you hold stress in your body. And like even earlier today, I was uh, I had to get an MRI done for my shoulder and I am claustrophobic. I hate being in a little tube and being in there for 30 minutes, having these um, breathing techniques and being able to apply it, you know, in for eight or in for four, hold to eight, let out for seven. It just like did I butcher those numbers? It doesn't matter. You know, there, people describe a square uh, of breathing. Yes. So in for four, hold for four, uh, uh, in for four, keep breathing in for four, out for four, keep breathing out for four. That is, there, it, the main thing that matters is that you're firing that diaphragm muscle and stretching yeah. the phrenic nerve and that you're doing it in a slow, sustained manner. I would add to what you said, actually, if you've got an interview with the boss that you're not really looking forward to if the if you are the boss and you're going to be counseling an employee on their behavior and you have a tendency when they start arguing and making excuses to get kind of pissed off and you know angry sit down and do these breathing exercises for four cycles then open the door and mm -hmm. begin your interaction you, you can't get to fight or flight for probably another four to six minutes and wow. and you don't need to that this is a way of really setting your intention of how you intend to be for the next few minutes don't do it right before you drive somewhere 
because you increase the risk of drifting off while you're driving. You need your fight or flight immediately available when you're out in a vehicle. Man, but what a beautiful tool to be able to take into our lives and realize, you know, we can have control over our nervous system and we can regulate ourselves, especially if you've been stuck in flight or flight to know that you are actually, or for those of us who've struggled with falling asleep, like you can learn to fall asleep. These are tools that all of us have available. That's amazing. And they, they go much beyond sleep. Uh, uh, yeah. both the muscle relaxation, tension relaxation exercise and the breathing exercises are useful through so many different parts of your day. So I would like to step now into a, a couple of other uh, small areas that if you've done all the things we've talked about and you say, you know, I still want something to help me sleep. It's not working. I need to take something. Um, obviously, that's in my world so much of a fallback choice that I never get there. But um, outside of melatonin, which is really more replacing what it is that your body's supposed to be doing, there are a few things worth considering. Herbs, uh, chamomile is uh, known to have a sedative relaxing effect, which is why you often see the sedative or sedation or relaxation on the chamomile tea uh, box when you're reading it. Another herb, lemon balm, uh, is uh, acts directly on the limbic system to blunt the stress response in worrier type people. It also uh, can be taken as a capsule uh, uh, or as a cold infusion tea. Where would you put the lemon balm? Uh, that actually, when you ask, uh, you would put it inside of you. Uh, most of the studies on lemon balm have been done uh, on ingestion. So whether it's ingested as a, a, a tea or as capsules or a, a tincture uh, put on the tongue, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to address uh, aromatherapy and the effects of smells on the nervous system because I have not studied it enough to really, ought, I shouldn't ought to get into that. Another one that is actually fairly strong, though it smells really bad, is valerian root. Now, valerian root works on similar receptors or maybe some of the same receptors that your benzodiazepines, your Valium family of drugs work. So it's a very real effect that it has. And um, as a result, I do recommend caution with that. But for occasional use, a sleeping supplement that has, let's say, some chamomile, some lemon balm, some valerian root, and maybe some melatonin in it, um, can be a really useful adjunct when you feel you have to take something. Uh, for years, uh, I recommended people just use Benadryl because it's only an antihistamine. Well, it turns out that regular use of antihistamines increases your risk of Alzheimer's significantly, not a little bit, but a lot. Wow. So, um, I no longer recommend them at all. Um, if you have, and remember, Somonex and most of your other over-the-counter sleep aids are antihistamine. That's what they are. They cause drowsiness, but they disturb the sleep structure. We talked about that last time. So I don't recommend those, whether over-the-counter or prescribed. Um, uh, benzodiazepines are very addictive. Uh, within five to seven days, the fact that you're not taking the drug every day when you stop taking it will result in sleeplessness and anxiety as withdrawal symptoms. So 
Um, if you've just been to your spouse's funeral and you can't sleep and you need to take something, a benzodiazepine is reasonable for one, two days, but don't let that extend out into weeks. Other med prescription medications that are worth thinking about. Um, many people have heard of trazodone. Trazodone is an antidepressant drug, a tetracyclic uh, antidepressant drug that failed as an antidepressant because it caused too much drowsiness. But as it turns out, trazodone does not restructure your sleep like most other medications do. You get fairly normal sleep structure, those phase one, two, three, four uh, sleep uh, stages uh, under the effect of that drug. Uh, some people don't do well with it, but you could talk with your doctor about that. Um, obviously, it's a prescription drug. There is a prescription drug that is uh, designed to stimulate the melatonin receptors as far as sleep, but it's not been studied as to whether it helps with repair and regeneration. Uh, that drug is called Rosarem, R-O-Z-E-R-E-M. It's fairly new. Uh, I would recommend caution because often when we try to stimulate receptors, but not all the receptors, we end up doing things in the body that we didn't anticipate were going to happen. But uh, that is another one that you might end up talking with your doctor about. The last one I want to talk about is for those people who wake up with uh, night terrors, night sweats, um, uh, fighting off their spouse with a blunt object. Uh, PTSD is what I'm talking about. You know, there are people who have their uh, limbic system ready to fire off at the slightest provocation, including while asleep. For those people with PTSD who have nightmares as a significant component, there's a blood pressure drug called Prazosin. Uh, it's an alpha blocker. It blocks some but not all of the adrenaline receptors. And when we began using that in uh, veterans with severe PTSD in treating their hypertension, and it's not a very good blood pressure drug, but when we used it in treating their blood pressure, they would come back to their follow-up visits and say, I don't care what this drug did to my blood pressure. You are not taking it away from me because my nightmares have either stopped or gotten so much less severe that I'm living a better life. And it is yeah. drug wise. It is probably the only drug that has consistent usefulness in treating PTSD. So if you're a rape victim, a sexual abuse victim, uh, emotional abuse victim, you have other things in your life where you suddenly startle in, in life and you, a little noise or you're waking up at night full on adrenaline. It's worth talking about that with your doctor and say, would they be willing to try you with at least a year or two trial of the prazosin at night to see if that will block that effect and let you learn some new habits? Today's podcast is brought to you by the Premium Center for Regenerative Medicine and Stem Cell Therapy in the Northwest, Northwest Center for Regenerative Medicine. Get back to the activities that you love without needing surgery. You can book your appointment at nwc4rm.com. Again, that's nwc4rm.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness Supplements. You can head over to rareplanethealth.com to get your supplements. My personal favorite is the premium fish oil filled with omega-3s. Again, you can go to rareplanethealth.com and get the supplements that you most need to support your health and wellness today. 
Lastly, this podcast is also brought to you by Rare Wellness. Rare Wellness is located on the South Hill in Spokane and is one center that provides all the wellness tools that you could need. Whether you're looking for a hands-on premium intimate yoga studio with a therapeutic emphasis, bar classes, tai chi classes, if you're looking for skincare treatments, injectable, hydrofacial, microneedling, organic spa treatments, if you're wanting to get therapeutic massage or book functional medicine appointments to get down to the root cause of your inflammation, Rare Wellness is the place for you. Whatever your wellness needs are, they have it covered. So to book your appointment today, go to rarewellness.com. Again, go to rarewellness.com and mention this podcast for 10% off when you're booking. Okay, time to get back to the episode. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about you and functional medicine as well is that while we try to, while you try to look at things holistically and fix the lifestyle first, you're not opposed to integrating medication when it's necessary and when it's useful. Um, and I also consistently heard you just addressing as we we're talking about supplements and medications, not being naive to the fact that a short-term fix can have long-term consequences. And I feel like, yeah, I just really appreciate that in your approach towards medicine. Right. Uh, a great reminder of that is the drug Ambien, probably the most highly prescribed and taken drug for helping people get to sleep. Um, it has been studied and approved by the FDA for up to 10 days use, period. Wow. And yet it's prescribed in numbers of 30 to 90 for daily use for the rest of your life, right? And it, it, it's right on the package insert. You can ask the pharmacist, if you've been prescribed a drug for sleep, ask the pharmacist or look it up. What was this studied for? What was it approved for? Once it's approved, doctors can prescribe it however they want. They don't have to stay within the approval box, right? So it's important to really think that through and look at and it. And do your own research. You are your biggest advocate for your health. Absolutely. And if you have time, if you're on Ambien and you have time to look it up, the actual data in the study showed an increase of sleep of 15 minutes per night. What there was, however, was a great increase in the perception of having been asleep when one was not asleep, because some of the studies were done under sleep study conditions, actually measuring you asleep or not sleep, and then asking in the morning, how did you sleep? You slept four hours, but in the morning you reported, I slept great, eight hours. That particular drug does more about memory than sleep. That is, it's an amnesia drug for having been awake. Which doesn't actually get your body into that restorative state. That oh, you no. Need. It doesn't do any, it doesn't do you any it's good. It's deceptive to your own brain. Right, right. And that is why if you read the side effect list of that particular medication, not really any other medication, but that particular medication, um, the side effect lists are sleepwalking, sleep driving, sleep eating, sleep shopping, um, terrifying. And if you've known anybody who was taking the drug, they will happily tell you stories of the time they couldn't find their phone. And finally they did. It was in the freezer and they have no idea how it got there. I know how it got there, but they don't. Wow. So that pretty much, I think, covers all the subjects in sleep that uh, are, are worth uh, talking about in two sessions. So Dr. Guthrie, if people want to book an appointment with you or book a consultation and learn more about their health uh, and maybe fix their sleep or other underlying medical issues that they're facing. 
where can they find you? So um, through the Northwest Spine and Pain Center uh, in Spokane uh, on uh, Regal Street, uh, you look that up and call and tell them you want to see Dr. Guthrie for a functional medicine consultation. And uh, they will arrange an appointment time and I'll pop over from the house and see you here. Uh, there's a varying number of ways to, to to pay for that. You can pay for a single visit. You can pay for a full two and a half hour functional medicine consultation that kind of goes stem to stern your whole since you were before you were born until now. Where did all your chronic illnesses come from uh, and what to do about them? That can be overwhelming, but uh, I think it's but very helpful. Very, yeah. very helpful. Um, and uh, uh, there is one other way. Uh, you can sign up for uh, a year's worth of my time and attention uh, at an annual rate. Yeah. Well, guys, you can also find Dr. Guthrie at rarewellness.com or call Rare Wellness. But yeah, Dr. Guthrie, I loved this conversation. We do end every episode with a practical tip. I feel like you've given so many good things for people to apply. But if we had to sum it up, and again, people were only going to take one thing after today and apply it to their sleep, what would that be? Just pick anyone. Well, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired that is you're dragging around through your day and you're not waking up refreshed do one thing about it any one of the multiple things we've talked about just pick one and do that and after a week or two when that seems to be easy boring pick one more and work your way towards healthful sleep thank you dr guthrie for uh talking with me again i always love learning from you. You have such a depth of expertise and knowledge, and I'm sure it's going to make a big difference for all of our listeners. So thank you for being a part. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And for everyone listening, again, send in your Q&As, questions that you have for the experts so that we can ask them directly your questions. Uh, on top of that, again, be sure to share this podcast with a friend and leave us a review if it's made a difference for you. Tune in next time on the Rare Wellness Podcast. Bye, guys.